Hi everybody, welcome back to another Diabetes in the Raw episode with Jamie and Hayley. Hi Hayley, thanks for joining me again. Hey Jamie, glad to be here. This is a good one today. I'm a bit excited. Well, not excited, excited, but Hayley and I have been wanting to share our stories to help others feel less alone. That's what Diabetes in the Raw is all about, right Hayley? 100%. And so today, Hayley has volunteered to share her gestational diabetes story. The last episode we had Chloe on who is over halfway through her pregnancy now. So we'll probably get her on again and just see how the journey went. But today, Hayley's going to talk about her experience, which I believe is going to be quite different to Chloe's. So we hope to get more women on and just share the journey. And maybe we'll reach healthcare professionals and other women to help maybe change things that might need to be changed or do things a little bit differently in the future. So shall we get started? Let's go for it, Jamie. All right. So I guess the first thing I'm keen to find out is how you found out about your diagnosis and at what point in the pregnancy you were tested. Can you remember? You are testing my memory now because it was, so it was with uh, Master Jay, who's just turned 10. So if I remember correctly, uh, I definitely had the oral glucose tolerance test at your scheduled 26, 28. I just can't remember if I had an early one or not in that pregnancy as well because of um, the increased risks, age, weight, all the rest. And yes. a, a family history of type two. So I'm going to say I think I had the early one, all was fine. The oral, oral glucose tolerance test at the 26 week mark, fine. Um, at around 31 weeks, my obstetrician decided I had to go into hospital for a little stint. I, I'd had a migraine, rang it in. He wanted to check everything out, put me in to check out um, blood pressure and the like. And I have a bit of an issue with my blood when I'm pregnant and it's my platelets don't keep up with the um, increased um, volume of blood. So I don't clot. So that's mm. what I, he had me in hospital for. I was in there five days, came home. And then two weeks later, went back in again, blood pressure issues. And it was just at that time, a random, a glucose test in my, um, from yeah, blood, a blood test, a random test of my glucose levels there that showed the elevated levels. And then I was told, yep, you have gestational diabetes. So I would have been around 33 weeks at that time. So you were clear, you were negative for that 26 to 28 week. It's normally somewhere between 24 and 28. So for, in your case, 26, you were clear on that one. I was clear on that one. Wow, this is interesting Mm. because usually you wouldn't be tested again unless there was good reason, whether it was be a larger baby or something, but it seems that it was just routine bloods that was picked up. I think it was because I I, I wasn't measuring big for my number of weeks or anything at that time. And as I say, the hospitalisation was for um, blood pressure rising, um, concern of preeclampsia. So there really wasn't anything else that was indicating that, that I should even be tested and I wasn't even aware I was being tested it was just there you oh, go where your yeah. results have come back you well preeclampsia yeah I mean diabetes puts you at increased risk for preeclampsia so I can understand why they possibly did mm-hmm. whether it was just a random glucose test or yeah mm. it sounds like that that's very interesting well this is going to be a different story again so then <laughs> 
what happened from there? Did you feel supported? Were you, were you told and then there was focus on the diabetes or was the focus elsewhere because you weren't in for diabetes kind of? Mm. I'm going to say, and some of this is a little bit, I suppose, uh, influenced by hindsight. I don't, looking back, like I say with a lot of things, you don't know what you don't know. I didn't realise gestational diabetes was more serious than I thought it to be at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I was visited by, I believe, a dietitian while I was still in hospital because I, I said that it could have been an educator. I'm not sure because she just ran through the blood glucose monitor testing and went to test what they were looking for levels was and then um, spoke to me a little bit about diet. I didn't have any contact specifically really with the gestational diabetes after that. I would I was on weekly visits to the obstetrician and I was also under a general physician for the blood issues and he did check my levels because I had to record them in a little logbook well, and he would yeah. he would look at them but yeah no there was no other contact so really now I'd say no I don't think I was that supportive because it was literally just the information in the hospital and then that was it yeah, and, and I don't think that's really uncommon either. And so the one, whether it was a dietitian or a diabetes mm. educator, that's tricky because I'm a diabetes educator, registered nurse background, but there are dietitian diabetes educators as mm. well. So so she could have been, she, he could have been both. Um, and the fact they talked about diet potentially means they were dietitian, but as diabetes educators, it's pretty tricky not to talk about diet when you're talking about monitoring glucose levels and things so yeah it could have been either um but again not uncommon to probably just get that initial little tiny bit of education and then be left solo so I think so and I probably as well I might have been more of the line of thinking oh well I've got my obstetrician and um the general physician and you, you, you make assumptions about knowledge, as I did in the early days of our boys being diagnosed with type 1. I'd always assume any doctor or nurse I spoke to fully knew about diabetes. I've since learned that's not the case. So I probably worked on assumptions then that, oh, well, they're monitoring it. Whereas thinking back, I don't recall the obstetrician ever asking me anything no. about blood sugar levels or, or anything. I would also say in terms of support, what I have read since and in researching for doing these podcasts about the impact of gestational diabetes, not made aware of a single one of them. Yeah, which which is a huge reason I just want to get more and more women on here to share their story, to educate other women, but also so you don't feel like you can't ask questions and that you should know things because you shouldn't know things. If you haven't had to know things, you don't. That's right. And yeah, there's diabetes educators for a reason and there's they're in maternity services for a reason, but it's not to say that your obstetrician and your midwives and anyone else involved in your care doesn't know and wouldn't or shouldn't be looking over your levels either. So it, ideally it would be shared care, which it links into type 1 too, doesn't it? Type 1 diabetes mm. as well, I mean. Um, it does. And I think, you know, thinking back now, so after... Um, baby was delivered um, he, he had the pediatrician check and I was just told oh well he's going to be on complementary formula and I was like oh why oh well that's what always happens when um, 
mum's had gestational diabetes. Oh, and we will do a heel prick blood test each time before you feed him. And it's just little things that you don't take in so well shortly after delivery, but then you start to think about them and you're just not prepared for it because nothing was said. I was never told that that is what would happen or, or the reasons why. You know, it was never explained to me that I'm going to be used to your insulin levels because they've been in you and now they're going to keep producing the insulin to match you know, their needs before. And, of course, they're not going, going to have my insulin and, and the risk of low because I, I think his blood sugars were on the lower side each time he had a feed so just little things I mean when you've just delivered and you've got a crying bub for a feed you don't want to have to call to have a heel prick no and you so, know what it's not little things at all because if you part of the education is going to motivate mum to make like if you don't know the possible risks of having slightly elevated glucose levels in pregnancy mm. you're less likely to make potential changes that could make a difference to that you know by trying to keep those levels as into those Definitely. target ranges can you remember were you told where your glucose levels should be yes, and how I many was. times to and test I, I was given a sheet so I think it was meant to be before meals and two hours post okay um is when I was testing um and I did find that I did have quite a lot of low blood sugars while I was pregnant and I think that's something I just yeah. Anyway, but with not having any specific appointments about the gestational diabetes, I never raised that with anyone. I was just like, oh, my blood sugars are low. So no education about w what impact that might have, what were um, the optimal food choices to make to help avoid that. Yeah. Um, yeah, very, very little. Very and that, little that would be the most... I want to say the most basic, but probably not even the most basic, but the first place to go to help manage your levels would be food, mm. exercise or physical activity, you know. Yeah. As we know now with type 1 diabetes, two are the most important factors and it's it's different with gestational diabetes, but it's still the first line mm. to help manage glucose yep. levels is food and physical activity and mm. yet I mean, Chloe in our last episode has had not seen a dietitian at 20, up to 24. 24 weeks and she was diagnosed at something like eight weeks mm. pregnant. So, you know, it's just that she has gone and re researched herself and that's right, but has asked others where to get some reputable resources. And But not everyone has that level of confidence. And that, no. I was just so saddened hearing her story mm. because without um yeah without her strength of character or having other people to ask very very different situation to her well uh, you know what you say strength of character I mean I know what what that's taken from her and, and it wasn't easy for her mm. either do you know that that was family supporting her in, on that journey because mm. she she was in tears going to the doctor and you know like she did feel guilty she did feel should I be questioning this but it's self-management is all about education. If you're not getting the education, you can't self-manage and you should have, be able to trust that's your healthcare exactly, professional. That's yeah. right. Just to do that analogy, because that is spot on what you said about self-managing. You can't do it unless you have the education. We've recently gone through the process of Master 12 being self-managing at school. But to do that 
we worked with him on what he needed to know. The educator worked with him, questioned him on certain things, gave him scenarios, what would you do? He cannot do that without the information. And like we say, in, in a new diagnosis, you can't be expected to know. And let's face it, probably lots of myths out there too. So Absolutely. Yeah. Just getting that information out. So everybody listening, please, anybody you know, get them to have a listen to this, get them to reach out and find out. Don't be afraid to question a medical professional. You can do it politely, a simple, I'm sorry, I'm not sure I understand, or could you just tell me? It is your body and in this, your baby too. You are entitled to have all the information. Absolutely. And you know what? It's sad, but not every doctor and not every midwife and not every not even every diabetes educator will know everything about every type mm. of diabetes but definitely reach out to to another person another healthcare professional if it doesn't feel right and please feel free to email or message us on here we are happy to send links you can just watch mm. a video um you know on from diabetes australia or there's plenty of really good resources accurate reliable resources we can just send you a link more than happy mm. hit us up that's what we're here for i'm more than happy just to provide some information and Haley would be more than willing to share her experience or yeah. emotional support that's right and i think you can tell everybody we are pretty passionate about this one i think it's something jamie and i are very very much in sync on is empowering people through knowledge it's not about being able to go out and be a campaigner and change the world it's about just knowing what's going on and and how to best manage your situation yeah and and you're right because having been through pregnancy and type 1 diabetes it's very different but there's similarities in that i have been offended and in tears and all of that on on that side of the desk mm. as well so um, just want to be those people you can reach out to and want other women to join in. So because women supporting women with this stuff is is the way to go. Haley, I was wondering if you were told, I don't think you were because we've talked about this before and you were, you were, I felt guilty because you said I didn't know that, about the risks after pregnancy in terms of type 2 diabetes to you and then with your children, you know, future risks. I do, rem I do remember being advised about the risk of developing type 2 diabetes or there being an increased risk of developing it, I think I was told, within 10 years and to have the routine blood tests. Good. So I did do the, the follow-up oral glucose tolerance test and I have um, had some follow-up HbA1cs. I've been pretty lucky because we've been with our GP quite a while. Sometimes she'd just say, have you tested yourself recently or a series of tests? Um, but then it was, no, we need to do your um, HbA1c. So I've routinely good. had those and I've yeah. been good and it's all, it's all being good. There's no type two. But in terms of potential impacts on the children in later life or, um, you know, Master J, no, no yes. whatsoever. Yeah. Nothing. Uh yeah, and, and I guess it's a difficult time. It's not when you want to put more guilt on women to explain that, you know, your child's got an increased risk of di diabetes, type 2 diabetes mm. and obesity later in life. But my take on it is you're educating on some dietary and some lifestyle things during gestational diabetes and you're just promoting it postnatally mm. to live a healthy lifestyle for your whole family and then you can throw in there, which will help reduce the risk 
of it to your child because they do have an increased risk of this. It doesn't have to be a big, I don't know, a big um, chat to you about, you know, your child's now at increased risk of type 2. and Yeah, and I, I totally agree. So obviously that type 2 is not going to be an issue for us now because we have the type 1. But having a child who is overweight, then would it have made me be a bit more proactive and conscious what, what I feed him? Possibly, maybe not, but without having that information, I can't say. Yeah, yeah, knowledge is power and empowering is about providing information to let people make informed decisions. So uh, I feel like I'm starting to wrap it up, but throw in anything else you want to. I was just thinking, is there anything positive you can take from your experience with gestational diabetes? Oh, and my other question to you would be, how did it impact on your pregnancy after you found out? Because I know for Chloe, she she felt that the diabetes has overridden any sort of enjoyment. Um, that was a big part that came out in the podcast was, you know, mm. it's it's the food is the hardest part. What have you found the hardest? Did, how, did it take away from enjoyment? And is there anything you can take positive um, from the experience? Mm. To be honest, I'm not really sure I can add a positive in there. Mm. And I think my experience was a bit different given that I was in hospital at the time anyway um, and knowing that there were potential issues with um, delivery because of the clotting factor, which was a major issue in the first um, delivery. But so I, I don't think... I gave the gestational diabetes much thought, but with hindsight now, that's because I didn't know how serious it could potentially be. Um, and with with the other issues I had, they probably yeah, I'm not going to say ranked higher, but the the gestational diabetes probably sat second best. I I wasn't allowed to drive. I wasn't allowed to be left on my own. There was minimal that I could do. Um, because it was the threat of being hospitalized again and with a you know two-year-old and coming up to Christmas, I really didn't want that. So I think for me, the gestational diabetes really took a back seat and was just a bit of a passenger because the other issues were at the forefront. I started to develop quite a bit of anxiety about delivery because of the risk of bleeding. And, yeah, and do you know experience. what? That's a very justified taking a second place too, because that's <laughs> life-threatening. Yes. You know, as, yeah. And so maybe they didn't want to put extra pressure on you. You know, we, we can't judge what right. those, yeah, what those healthcare professionals did or didn't do back then. This is more about sharing the experience so someone else doesn't sit back and mm. think, oh, because I think those words, even I've got, you've got a little bit of diabetes or a little bit of sugar. <laughs> and it's like a little bit in pregnancy makes or can make a big difference. So, you know, we're talking, there's target ranges and point one is above the range it's a difference between maybe medication and not or trying That's to change right. so yeah i think but it's it's a bit like saying a little bit of alcohol in pregnancy we all know it, it's it's a no mm. it can have a harmful effect so a little bit of sugar well you know you've got it or you haven't and yes. if you've got it you need to have the information to for you to make your decisions about how you manage that for That's your right. health and the baby um and do you know what if you were tested at that 26 week mark you wouldn't have been tested again so i guess the fact that it came up at what did you say 33 weeks yeah 
it wouldn't have come up if you weren't hospitalized and those bloods done so that may be how they were also looking at it do you know is is there anything Possibly. that needs to be done now but you knowing what you know now could and would have changed a few things to mm. potentially reduce the risk of that neonatal Definitely. hypoglycemia yeah and it, and it does raise the question like you know why is it those weeks that when they do the test is that because when you're most likely to develop it is, yes it's is, related is there, to your hormone levels yeah is there a good argument for for doing further random tests and look maybe maybe practice some practitioners obstetricians whatever do do random tests at other times but um yeah I, I suppose in some ways it was lucky that it was picked up on because it then allowed for the follow-ups that's right and and the awareness about the type 2 yeah. uh, or, or the risk for type 2 so yeah it is the it is the biggest growing form of diabetes in Australia and potentially worldwide I don't know those stats to be honest but um, we've just got to keep doing what we're doing I think to to help women because there is lots on social media there are lots of groups there are GPs that think some of the cutoffs for the diagnosis are too tight and you know mm. they are being reviewed I think in in some countries and some areas and maybe the targets will change again but health is I like to think it's always about trying to protect people and babies from risks and that sort of thing yes and it's not all about making money and it depends what you want to think but I think if you can reduce the risks to baby and mum through oh, a diagnosis and, and yeah and management of gestational diabetes and minimize that emotional trauma that can come with it that's that's an area that I think well, needs as, improvement. as Chloe said when she was talking to you the the guilt yes that you put on yourself because it's your body is is it your body letting the baby down or ho however you think about it and you know, pregnancy can be can some be a highly emotional or anxiety provoking. I mean, you think of a scenario, maybe somebody who's on medication but needs to come off that medication for pregnancy. They're already fighting some battles there, to, and to then add without the appropriate information support. So a lot of that can be alleviated with that appropriate support education empowerment yeah and there's a way of delivering information and i think some women choose not to monitor their levels and then they might be told you're doing harm to your baby and that's not overly motivating i don't think so again you need to find someone that's supportive to you on your journey yes. rather than making you feel more and more guilty because again on with the type one and pregnancy, I can absolutely relate to feeling the guilt of glucose levels impacting on your baby. So mm. yeah, thank you so much for sharing your story. I was actually thinking it was going to be a bit more of a positive story, um, but it, it, it's got similar, it's, not really. yeah, <laughs> it's got similar sort of lack of education, lack of support, you know, not a whole lot of information about what you could do. And a little bit sad, really, that these stories are 10 years apart mm. and there doesn't seem to have been I know we've, we've got two we could you know we could get 200 women come on who tell us really positive um experiences but it's it's a little sad to think that in 10 years we perhaps possibly haven't moved too far in um in how it's dealt with 
Well, the good news, I have a lot of very passionate um, colleagues in this space. So there, there's, I think a lot of people working in this space are super passionate. So I'm hoping everyone can find someone that's supportive and I'd love to hear from other women. So we're going to keep putting some, um, if you want to let us know, we'll start creating a list. We just record via Zoom. Um, we look at each other while we do it because it's easier <laughs> to talk that way, but we only obviously publish the audio and we can edit it. It's not live. So if you say something that you want us to take out, or if you even want to come on as an anonymous guest, we can change your name, we can do whatever, but we'd love to hear some more stories because I think it is going to help other women for sure. So let I us know. So. Yeah. All right, Haley. Thanks again. And Thanks, we'll, Jenny. Uh, chat soon. Bye. Thanks for listening, everyone.